Hey folks, it's Joanna. Uh, welcome to JCB Art Studio. I'm your host. I'm the author of The Unraveling and Dealer's Child. And today I have author, podcaster, his uh, CV goes goes on and on and you'll you'll hear why. Freddy Cruz is with me. Now I've been doing this for 75,000 years. <laughs> I think that's what makes me nervous, Freddie, because I know I'm a novice. <laughs> no, you're not a novice. No, you're not. Oh. No, but w w when you say that, it's like, oh, wow, maybe I've been, maybe I am old and maybe I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because I feel like a kid. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Right. I think it, yeah. I mean, I don't want to grow yeah. old. <laughs> no, neither do I. Well, I'm 47, so you know, by by society standards, I'm you know past my prime. Yeah, but I yeah. feel like I haven't even achieved it. <laughs> well, we're going to tell people about you, okay? Because the greater Houston area has mm -hmm. heard Freddie Cruz's voice. You know, it's for more than 17,000 hours. They say across three decades. Yeah. Wow. I know. Wow. I don't look a day over 90. <laughs> <laughs> and Freddie, he's launched his own media company, Freddie Cruz Creative Works. And as you can tell, he is the host of Freddie's Huge Ask podcast. Now, when Freddie's not in the lab writing or creating, I loved this. You can find him nose deep in a book or snuggling with his dog, Sparrow. Hey, what type of dog? Uh, Sparrow, we, we found out this year that Black Mouth Cur is an actual breed. And so we were told that he may be that. Um, wow. He does look like an overgrown weenie dog. When you, when you look at him from the very front, yeah. his snout does resemble that of a wiener. But oh, wow. he, he does look like a Black Mouth Cur. We had originally thought he maybe had some Shepherd and perhaps Rhodesian Ridgeback. But he never he doesn't have the thing on his back, so he so that would not be he would definitely not be Rhodesian. But uh, yeah, he's he's one hundred percent hot mess. Oh, well, yeah. I had I had a, a a friend of mine say to me instead of calling them Mutts hmm. uh, Heinz fifty seven, she she was very spiritual, and she said to me, "This dog is a love child." Right. <laughs> That's what she referred yeah. to it as, right? <laughs> I thought, okay, that's very, very nice, right? Yeah. So, or, or we would call we would call a Yorkshire Saint Bernard mix a defiance of physics. Oh my gosh, I, I, I don't even. Wow, what was that breed? <laughs> the two again was a York, Yor Yorkie and Saint Bernard. Oh my god, I don't even want to think. <laughs> Okay, how that happens. Okay. But you want one? A great day. Yeah. Okay, I'll yeah. stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> okay. Stop. So we're going to talk about your book. We're going to talk about your book, Allow Me to Ruin Your Christmas. Um, this came at such a, a perfect time in my life. Um, it's not that I don't like Christmas. Mm. It's, it's, I find there's lots of buildup and expectation for one day. And I find people are just about going crazy, trying to make travel arrangements to come and visit all on one day, right? Mm -hmm. And so anyways, I'm going to say a little bit to our listeners, Freddie's book, Allow Me to Ruin Your Christmas. 
It is a gruesome revenge thriller, but it is funny. It is funny. And if you like characters pushed over the edge, dark acts, family drama, who doesn't have that, then you'll love Freddy's Bloodstained Holiday Treat. So Freddy, let's talk about this book. Let's talk about this book. First, what I liked was your acknowledgments. Yeah, thank the reader for taking this wild holiday ride with you. Of all the options for entertainment at your fingertips, you say you chose my book, and for that, you deserve a nice big slice of fruitcake. And then you write, just kidding. Okay. (laughs) And nobody likes that crap. But seriously, thank you. This is all in his acknowledgments. So I'm thinking, A, why do people make fruitcake? But um, besides that, opposites attract. Like this book, it says it's a gruesome revenge thriller, but it is, there's humor. There's humor in this. Thank you. Um, you know, I, um, well, first off, I think, I think fruitcakes were made for people who, who write one-star reviews for books okay. that they don't like. Yeah. <laughs> they get the kidding aside. Cake. Yeah. Kidding aside. <laughs> um, well, and I, you know what? I think everything has its utility. Yeah. Except maybe fruitcakes. But no, I, you know, this book, um, to your point about all the buildup for one day. Yeah. I feel like maybe it was a bit of a projection because, you know, everything is, it's the ideal holiday. Um, It's, it's family time and everyone's um, gathered around the the tree or gathered in the kitchen uh, with ham or tamales or, you know, desserts. Oh, little seven-year-old Jane and six-year-old Jimmy are in the kitchen with mommy and daddy and 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 Meemaw and Peepaw making making cookies handed down uh, the recipe handed down from from twenty-five years, years ago. ago. Yeah, and, and and the paper is is it's still got the handwritten recipe and and the scratch the scratched out writing from oh use this amount of sugar instead of this and so all that to say. And I'm saying this because I love tradition. All this to say, screw traditions for just 270 pages. Screw everything that you like about this season. Let's project a little. Let's 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 um let's dance with with young with young's shadow. Yeah. Let's yeah. dance. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So I have to read a few pages from this book. Ah, uh, it's it starts. It starts on page 12. I have to read this. Okay. Okay. I hope I'm not embarrassed. No, no, no. <laughs> I so will. That, I may get embarrassed. Well, and then you can tell, tell the listeners about Beckett. Beckett is our, okay. our, is our, oh God, I'm wondering now if he's our protagonist or, or if he's our antagonist, but I see him as our protagonist who's being, I'm just going to start reading. So this is in Beckett's point of view. Beckett comes home from school. He's, you know, teenager. And he sees this green McLaren parked in the driveway. Okay. He goes into the house where his mom's supposed to be. Okay, here we go. The rose petals trace along the entryway. Hot liquid bile shoots shoots up my throat, but I force it down. Closing my eyes, I count to 10, trying to figure out my next move. I've never had this much trouble sneaking into the house. Nobody said anything yet. So maybe I do have a chance to make a beeline for the door and leave for a few hours. 
Maybe go back to school or to the park to go for a jog, something, anything to meditate the vision of Lex Griffin and my mom away. Then a clap fills the air and another one. I'll say it's a clap and not a slap because, well, this is my mom we're talking about and I don't want to hear anything about body slapping and my mom. Santa baby, the Madonna version, starts to play and now I know I should leave, but I don't. I can't. This is my house and my favorite podcaster. Well, he's not welcome here anymore. I turn the corner of the entryway to see Lex's shirtless back, his do, his arms spread across the counter, defined by his triceps and delts. Dude really does lift four times a week, and with strength like that, I'll have a hard time bouncing him out of the house. His head rocks from side to side. He raises it and says something I wish I could unhear. <laughs> Stuff's going down. I don't want to say stuff's going down, but stuff's happening, right? Talk to <laughs> you. Got to explain that scene. Like I what, really don't know. Well, what? Talk to us about Beckett. Poor Beckett. Well, yeah, Beckett is. Um, I, I, I don't want to sound like the kind of author who's like, oh, my characters tell me what to do, yeah. and I'm not responsible for the heinous things they 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 do because i mean I, these are thoughts that were obviously in my head that made it from my brain to my hand to my fingers to the paper and into the, i mean you know that that takes a lot of effort to go from from there to paper and then from paper into the computer uh yeah. but i i just um i really felt like last year in the past couple of years i really maybe just had some things that i needed to work out um and maybe he's just uh, a reflection of me um, channeling some some energy into something creative. And really, that's what I have found um, as a creator, yeah. capital C creator. I think that's what we what we do, and I think that's what what the muse calls us to do. Um, because what's the alternative to bottle yeah. up? bottle up our thoughts or to argue with people on on the internet or to oh, yeah. um you know worse engage yeah. people in conflict verbal um to run away yeah i don't want to run away i mean sometimes i'll i'll have dark thoughts and feel like i just need to disappear for a while yeah but not like in a and not in a you know morbid macabre sense like you know bodily harm wise i'm just saying like if i could just poof you know go for a little bit. And yeah. so I think some of these, some of these emotions, I think it, 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 it's me acknowledging that I'm not, I don't live the ideal life of it. What is an ideal life? Yeah. What, what, what is happiness? What is sadness? Things. I feel like, um, we all want to, I think have a thousand percent control over everything we do and, and 1000% control over how people interact with us. Mm-hmm. And it wrecks our worlds when when that doesn't happen, when yeah. something doesn't go as planned. And so I think a lot of a lot of what's in the book is kind of like this this projection on my part to say, hey, you know what? Christmas time isn't all about that. You know, we go back to the kids in the kitchen with mom and dad and the grandparents and all these traditions. And it's like, you know what? No. That's not everybody's, that's not, I don't know when this interview goes out, yeah. but you know, there's going to be more than just a handful of families 
whose Christmas will suck. Yeah. And guess what? There are people, there's a war going on in, yeah. in and I'm not political. I'm just saying there, yeah. there, there, there is war, there is conflict, there, there is poverty. And, you know, I, I will, I will, I will cede that world hunger is like less than 20%. I will cede that. It doesn't mean that there's not people. In other words, the world is a complicated place and it's yeah. not just all rainbows and Santa Claus is going to come and deliver our presence under the tree it's hey how about we have a little bit of fun wrecking crap <laughs> yes okay <laughs> oh so that's the long answer i'm sorry i probably got a little carried away and went a little meta but no you know. no i was gonna say that this actually podcast is coming out december 17th and okay. uh that was a very serious answer very uh, yeah, yeah that was a very serious answer so i would say this book is can you say a, a bit therapeutic yeah, yeah, I would say that. I, and and you're an, you're a creator as well. Yeah. And so I, you know, I'm not. I, I haven't known you long at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that maybe there's some things that maybe you find your your creations therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's the humor. God, if we don't have humor, <laughs> I I I I think that's that's when the world is it will be in a very sad state because it. It's for me with this book, it was like you said, reading, reading about a family coping with the holidays and things aren't going, like you said, like the Santa Clauses and the 50 year old recipes, you know? So, okay. So we're, let's get more into this. Let's get more into this book. Now you, you write in Beckett's, well, first you write in the first person's point of view with Mm -hmm. different characters which I thought was cool. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. So I know there are rules such as you, you start in your heroines or heroines, heroes, first point of view, you're supposed to stick. Like this was an old rule. When I started writing, you're supposed to stick with it throughout. Um, I'll make like clear breaks. I'll do, let's say part one in my, you know, hero's point of view, then part two will be in the heroine's point of view. And I just do that for the story. Like I think, okay, I think this is the best way I can get this story across. So do you do, is that the same for you? Or why do you like using different first person points of view? You know, this is my third, this is my book. And so I wanted to create something different. I want to create something different all the time, which is why I don't really do series, but I've been told, and perhaps you'll, you know, I'd love to hear um, whether or not you feel like there should be a sequel, because I've been told by more than one person that there has to be a sequel. So okay. I'm not a series writer. I've got three books. They're all standalones. They're all completely different uh, from each other. In fact, the second book, uh, which is a, a it's about radio and it's first person POV. The first the first book uh, was third person POV, uh, third per I'm sorry, third person omniscient. So yeah. it's a it was more a function of doing something different to keep me engaged because I figure the moment a writer or a creator of any type, the moment we start getting bored with the work mm-hmm. is the moment we we lose the battle. Because I think you, if you cannot remain interested in what you're doing, how in the hell can we expect anybody to remain interested in what we wrote? Um, and to point, reading the uh, the acknowledgement at the beginning, uh, a book is 
is you're not just going, you're not just looking at a at a YouTube video for three minutes. Right. This is hours and hours and hours. Yeah. You don't get back. Yeah. 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 Of someone's time. Like that's the thing. Time yeah. is so precious, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now the tension. There's so many little gems. Um, you know, back at realizing that his mother is having an affair with this famous podcaster. Um, and, you know, Beckett, he sees that because he sees the podcaster has a wedding ring on. And I was part of a discussion about tension and conflict and how they're separate. Now you have immediate attention with Lex Griffin. Your thoughts about tension and conflict, because like I said, as I started reading this, it was the tension that just kept me going. Like, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? So your thoughts. Um, I love conflict and conflict has to exist in in most of a story. And um, I, I think that's where I've grown the most as a, as a writer, because the first book, you know, and I don't want to take away from, I don't want to shift focus to that, but I'm just kind of charting my, my writer journey. You know, the first book, it was more like the invincible good guy and the evil villains. And so while I think at the beginning, you know, in the manuscript process of the first book, you know, I am working with the developmental editor. They really helped reel that back and make these characters more complex and so that was how I grew after the first book. And the second book, it was more like the anti-hero. And um, you know, there were some of the there were some components of the um, I don't know what you would call the uh, the external negative force, um, like the the uh, the bad guy, the the evil villain. There there was a small small version of that. But I mean, then again, the book is called They Canceled the DJ. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with this one, yeah. um, I learned how to dial in the conflict sooner, sooner, like way sooner within the first 10 pages, uh, as opposed to drawing it out within the first 20. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, and, and, it, and it doesn't have to be. And one of the things that I learned, of course, you know, I've been uh, my career is as earned a living as a copywriter. And so it was mainly sales, you know, okay. it's a radio promo copy. You know, I'm selling some of the benefit of going to a concert. I'm be- I'm selling the benefit of listening to the radio station so that somebody can win tickets for Taylor Swift or so they can win a thousand dollars. So that's pretty much it's sales. Yeah. Um, but, and very little conflict. There were some, some elements, you know, when I write specialty copy or whatnot, but so all that to say, writing a novel You've got to have that that yin yang that push pull, and it doesn't have to be explosive like a Lee Child novel. Every single book, um, you you can have conflict without it being a major ordeal. It could be something that's humorous, or it could be something that just doesn't go the right way. It could be a flat tire. It could be yeah. the dog barking at the Amazon guy, and all of a sudden we spill something on our lap, and oh my gosh, it's 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 acid and it's yeah. now burnt through my jeans. I mean it 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 could be it could be anything. 
I'm sure, you know, we talked about before the interview, we talked about Toni Morrison, who I can already guarantee is a way better writer than me. Uh, and, and I'm sure she's got loads of conflict in her story because if she didn't, she wouldn't have such longevity. Yeah. But I find like, I, I, you write, I think um, each author needs to write what they, f I don't want to say feel comfortable with, but what's in them, you know, yeah. and not trying to be someone else because mm -hmm. because I, I i i don't think that author is then being true to themselves and i don't i think they will lose out on the writing experience if you're trying to be someone else or right that because mm -hmm. yeah yeah well i love the humor i love the humor in this and uh it's it's little it's little things you know like beckett this guy, you know, his mom works in funeral sales and he jokes, you know, she comes home from work. How dead was business today? Like, you know, the, getting that chuckle, right? So, okay. So do you, is Beckett a little bit like you or a little bit of like you and Beckett? Uh, I, you know, I think there, I think there's, there are components of me and a lot of people who I'm closest with in, in all of my characters. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to think, you know, it's not as easy for me to identify which character I I'm closest to with this book. I think definitely with the second book, there is one character who I most identify with and it's not any of the male characters. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't realize these things until way after. In fact, my, my favorite writer of all time is Chuck Palahniuk, who wrote Fight Club and Choke, among others, he's got an incredible body of work. His his nonfiction book, Consider This, I think is is. And you're talking to somebody who has a, a marketing degree. If I had to guess, the knowledge in that book is probably a year's worth of knowledge from a college course. If you're majoring in literature, I, I, that oh, would just wow. be my guess because yeah. I feel like I've gotten so much value out of it. I re read it, reread it, highlight more things as I read, okay. um, read it through multiple times. But um, yeah, um, and I forgot where I was going with that. That's all right. I was wondering if you were saying that uh, it's your second book where you identify more with a female character mm. than yeah, with Beckett. And now, yeah, and now I now I remember. So it's yeah. um <clears throat> in hindsight when you read when you read books and I was talking about Chuck um before I went on my fanboy tangent. Um <laughs> he says that <laughs> and I mean I will I I'll admit that gladly. Yeah. Um but uh he talks about not really knowing what and I'm paraphrasing what he said, so this isn't a direct quote, but he talks about not really knowing what issues he was working out until way after he has written the book. And then when he realizes what he was working out, it's like, whoa, yeah. okay. Um, and I re and I got to that moment with yeah. Allow Me to Ruin Your Christmas. I got to that moment um, just in the past couple of weeks. And, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> okay. I'm like, all right, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, it, it is crazy what what and you're a writer too. Yeah. It's crazy what getting into the flow state of writing can lead you to to vomit on the pages, for <laughs> lack of better terms. Yeah. Yeah. 
definitely, definitely. Yeah. So we've been teasing people. So I'm going to ask you the standard, the standard question. Can you tell our listeners what allow me to ruin your Christmas is about? Like we've been teasing them saying, you know, about the different characters. So, so what, what is it about? I'll tell you who it's not for. It is not for anybody who wants a sweet, cozy romance set against the backdrop of Christmas time in the Houston area. If you like flawless characters that you can absolutely root for, this is not your book. If you like happy-go-lucky, merry old times at the mall, if you like hot glasses of cider with your favorite characters who you just, you know, you just look forward to spending this time with them after a long day of work. No, this isn't what you're going to get. Yeah. This is a, this is, this is almost, I don't want to say it's a counter revolution because it's nothing like a counter revolution. <laughs> it's just like, it's a, I think really more than anything, it's a projection. And I was on a podcast earlier this month um, where I, I openly admitted it. You know, my wife, yeah. Who, by the way, works in the funeral industry? Okay. <laughs> um, my, you know, my wife loves her Hallmark Channel movies. <gasps> this is not a Hallmark. <laughs> this is definitely not. And when I say that it may have been a projection, and no. when readers get into the back half of the book after everything just kind of really starts to snowball downhill, you'll realize that, oh, wow, this guy really does not like Christmas movies. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but I mean, I do like, I I like Christmas movies. I like Bad Santa. Yeah. 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 Well, I, like I said, I've been enjoying it and I, oh, I feel for Becca and the other characters. Like, I mean, so, you know, there's a role reversal with some of these characters. Um, The mom wants Becca to ask about, to ask her about Lex, right? And Becca Mm -hmm. doesn't want to. And I understand why Becca doesn't want to. And now Avery is Lex's daughter and Mm -hmm. she's like an adult, like, you know, like, okay, I've got to find it. And by the way, uh, I have not had my morning coffee yet. Okay. So if I stumble my way through some of this podcast, that's the reason. My condolences. It's I, don't know I how blame you make it this late in the day without coffee. I blame Shania Twain. I saw her on the <laughs> um, the People's Choice Awards last night, and I thought, "Damn, I got to start weight training again." <laughs> so I was strength training. I'm a retired personal trainer, right? And so I did the, the thing I should not do. I saw Shania Twain on People's Choice Awards, and I, this morning I was doing my strength training, and I I missed my coffee, but. You know, well, it's kettlebell training with 45, 45 pound weights can do that to you. you. We can just curl 20, 20, 20 reps at 45 pounds. And you do the kettlebell swings with a hundred kilograms. No, I do the kettlebell that's swings. You, that's not what I actually, I still oh, do God. for, uh, for someone 50 ish. I will do a kettlebell swing and gosh, this isn't supposed to be about me. This is supposed to be about your book. And okay. But now that we're here, <laughs> I, but I love talking to you about this kind okay. of stuff. I mean, you know, that's like, that's the beauty of a podcast, but I'm sorry to go. I'm sorry to go off topic. That's okay. Kettlebell swings are the spawn of Satan, by the way. <laughs> well, hey, maybe one day when I'm in my sixties or seventies, maybe I'll make it into the the Guinness Book of Records because I can still do men push-ups. So that's that's why nice. I missed my coffee. I wonder if Shania can. <laughs> right. Anyways. All right. There you <laughs> okay. go. 
But like Avery, she's Lex's daughter and the little girl Piper is having a meltdown because, you know, it has to do with Santa, you know, and Avery says to Lex, she's like, you know, Piper, she doesn't need, you know, another American Girl doll or Barbie set. She needs her parents, right? And it's like, go Avery, you know? So yeah. just how how did you come up with this with this girl, Avery? I, I have no I I have no answer. Okay. Um, and, and and that's crazy because um this is the first book that I did not completely pants. Okay. Um, so uh, there's there was a mild outline, and I gave myself permission to um, to let the muse dictate any any um, to dictate whether or not I can go rogue. So I allow myself again. This goes back to Chuck Palahniuk saying yeah. that he plots the first half of his book, and I'm like, huh, really? actually genius. That's actually genius because you've got some structure. Yeah. So if you want to go to if you if you want to go to Disney World, you can go to Disney World. Yeah. But if you completely pants it, you might just end up going to Disney World in a in a plane that runs out of gas. Yeah. And you crash land. So I think I think I, I like the plotting the first half and you know, and I had the characters mapped out too, which was something that I really had I hadn't really tinkered with it too much um, previously, but yeah, I, I thought, you know what, if I'm going to write this book and uh, the developmental editor who I worked with um, for the second one, um, she had made the point, if you want to write a book every year or somewhere along those lines, then you would do best to to plot and have an outline. And so I'm like, all right, so this is, I want to do a book every year. So a year and a half. Um, this year professionally has been a little rough. Yeah. So I'm not probably not going to write much in 2023. Um, but I'm like, all right, I know what I got to do. And so I mapped out my characters and everything because I'd also started listening to craft uh, writing craft podcasts. Yeah. Uh, I've got a stack of uh, writing books. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of benefit to having uh, a character a character log or a character diary of you know okay this is what you know this is what Avery's going to this is this is who Avery is this mm -hmm. is her avatar she has and i forget what color hair she is not hair, what color hair she has so i apologize but she yeah. she looks like this she's about this age she is this 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 and i have the notes somewhere but, and i had all of this worked out prior to writing that way in the developmental phase, if I say that she's got green eyes on page 20 or whatever, that on page 200, I don't go and say, oh, I'm staring in her ocean blue eyes. <laughs> yeah. And then a reader's like, wait, what? Yeah, so yeah. it's trying to maintain that continuity. So when you're, when you're writing, when you're writing, you have an idea or you're just making it easy. You're making the editing process easier. And I hate saying that because there's nothing easy about editing and you're a writer yourself. So, yeah. um, yeah. See now I pants, but that is, I literally three days ago, handwriting, just, I started writing down the scenes that I had written mm -hmm. just to kind of keep it's, I thought if I write it down, 
I don't have to worry about thinking about it in my brain because I know I have it on paper and I can Mm -hmm. free up space and keep going. But that's the first time I've heard, and that sounds like a really good idea, plotting the first half. That is the first time I have heard that. That's really good. Yeah, because it's structure, but then it's not. Yeah. And, you know, you have to be able to, to... show the reader where you're going with this story and so you're you have the structure but then you also you know you want to be able to leave a little space for um for going rogue yeah. for, for you know experiencing something new what what was it was it robert frost who said if there's no surprise to the writer there's no surprise to the reader or something like that so yeah yeah okay yeah so then you also have me thinking with characters. I find some characters, because I pants, some characters can come on strong really fast. Mm-hmm. But then others, I'm just thinking about, you know, Avery here. Others, it's like, okay, I'll go back and start working on them. Do you, how you say you map your characters? I want to do that. Yeah. This is the first time that I've done, like, so for example, with the first book, I knew that I wanted my protagonist to be a, a retired Navy SEAL yeah. and I wanted the antagonist to be the the spawn of a presidential family who was going to go rogue. Yeah. And so I had those those two characters were already figured out. Um, I didn't really necessarily know what they looked like or but I knew that all the things that they were going to do were going to be I already had those I already had the the big the long game vision okay um but yeah it's um <clears throat> characters are really it's it's when you nail it you know you nail it and there's something inexplicable but I, and i've heard so many different schools of thought like oh well as long as the plot moves forward you could probably get away with having bad characters or if you have great characters you don't really need much of a plot and i think i think the answer is somewhere in between i think mm-hmm. you need the plot has to go somewhere and you have to have characters, whether or not you're cheering for them is, you know, well, I guess you want, in this case, I'm not sure who you would be cheering for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Uh, maybe you're cheering for Avery for things to go back to normal because her parents are, are garbage human beings. So yeah. Yeah. maybe that's who you're cheering for. I'll let you know when I finish it. I'll let you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing I like And I'm wondering, like, humor is so subjective, like art. Yeah. Um, Now, I'm not a comedian. I actually really like Mark Maron because I like the sarcasm. Okay. I've I've also liked Ricky Gervais because I like the sarcasm. And Yeah, Ricky's good. There's sarcasm in here, and it is just fun to read. You Thank know, and, you. and it's, it's like Lex, he's taking, you know, little Piper, right? <laughs> he's taking her to school, you know, and you, ha- it's, you have here, she's like part of the Santa squad and she's grilling Lex. Okay. And, and Lex pulls into the elementary school and you write the safety patrol kid with the power complex, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I can just see it, you know? So, uh, what do you, do you feel sarcasm makes for 
better humor. Like sometimes I feel like we're losing sarcasm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I come from the, I come from, so I come from the terrestrial radio world where even if it's not on the air behind the scenes, we are just cutting it up. Yeah. Sailors, you know, we curse like sailors and yeah. a lot of dark humor. And so, yeah, and working in that industry for more than 25 years, um, you, you learn how to, you pick up on your, your, you soak it up like a sponge. Yeah. And, um, so it, yeah, it, it, it's embedded in my DNA and I, I don't necessarily think of myself as funny so much as I just want to have fun. And, uh, I had fun writing this at the expense of some characters. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Probably really, that's probably a really bad thing to say, but I mean, you know, I'm creating these worlds and I have control over it. And, you know, that's something else too that, yeah. and I, forget who said that, but, you know, we authors, we want to have control over our environment and we want to do things to, to these people that we create these imaginary friends and these imaginary enemies. We want to have complete agency over their lives. And so if we're going to wreck somebody's life, we want to do it our way when we want to do it, how we want to do it. I've never thought of writing like that. <laughs> right? I'm going to wreck my character's life. <laughs> that make them absolutely miserable. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's when you get to the end, just wait. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh. Don't skip to the end. No, 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 no. I won't. I won't. Because, <laughs> like I say, it's it's the the journey with this, and it's just it's yeah it's like popcorn you know i'm sitting there and i, I might as well be eating popcorn and, and reading because it's it's been such it's been so enjoyable Thank and you. like i say the sarcasm i mean like beckett he's in the coffee lineup right and oh, whether God. it's the the <laughs> voice the dialogue right and yeah. it's the the siphon coffee lineup and the girl i love siphon coffee by the way that's a real shop is that a real shop it's a real shop and I love it. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. But you have this scene, this girl butts in front of Beckett, you know, and he, he says, go ahead. We like it when spoiled trust fund babies cut in line, you know? And like I say, it's the sarcasm, which I, I thought, yes, <laughs> I like this kid. So I'm, I'm, I'm now, I'm very, I'm wondering what's going to happen with Beckett later on. Okay. So would would you say this book would is also relationship driven? Like I know we we talked about character, we talked about plots, but uh, what do you think about the idea of it being relationship driven as well? I can see that. Um, yeah. I can also, I, you know, characters are are human. People are just complicated, and uh, you know, on my podcast, I got to talk with. Uh, horror writer Tyler Jones, who, by the way, I learned I learned of Tyler through a podcast interview I heard with Shocker Chuck Polinick, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and so uh, I spoke with Tyler, and and one of the themes of what he what he was talking about is that you know we we're not just one thing. Yeah. People, you're not just one thing. You're not just a, an author. You're not just a creator. You're not just an awesome interviewer. You're also you. a daughter and a friend, and and so and and guess what? You're allowed to make mistakes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And guess what else? You're allowed to learn from those mistakes. Yeah. And and if you have if someone has a bad experience with you and they think I don't know, if you accidentally cut some, cut somebody off in traffic and they think that you did it on purpose and they flip you off and they think that you're the worst thing to ever happen to them happened to them for that day, then you're like a you're you're the worst enemy. Yeah. But you're yeah. not. Yeah. Because you're not just one thing. And yeah. neither am I. And yeah. so um I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of um and maybe that's another projection on my on my part is that I tried to create people who, you know, um Lex's wife is a really successful entrepreneur. Yeah. And at what cost? Yeah. At what cost? I mean, you you talk about Avery and yeah. Avery was like, "Hey, I want my uh, how what if Piper just needs her parents for Christmas?" Yeah. And so that maybe that's a little bit of projection as well and um yeah, there maybe I maybe I was Maybe that maybe this book was a lot more therapeutic than I thought, but I, I just I just had fun creating a really, I don't know, fun ride, something different I've never done. Well, the dialogue, like I say, for Beckett is so so good, so good, you know. So so I'm you know we're gonna wrap it up here a little bit. I have okay. a fun question for you. Believe it or not, this has been such a fun interview. I didn't really go with a lot of my notes. <laughs> I went by the, when, what's the saying? I went on the fly. Like I, I looked down at some of my questions, but here's my fun question, which I okay. have, which I, I don't want to skip. All right. You bump into Beckett. Okay. Let's even, let's set this up even more. It's okay. Christmas. Well, let's say it's Christmas. Let's say this afternoon you go out to siphon coffee <laughs> and you bump into Beckett in the lineup. Gosh, now I'm thinking about what happened. What what's what gonna happen? Well, never mind. Never mind. Don't overthink it, Joe. I overthink things. Let's just say you bump into Beckett in the lineup. What would he yeah. say to you? If I were to bump into him, he yeah. would probably he would probably because now I'm trying to picture myself inside Siphon, and so I'm, I'm thinking as people are listening right for people who are listening right now. I'm trying to I'm trying to put myself into the into the shop, so I'm yeah. figuring out the the lineup. Huh? He would probably say, "Excuse you." <laughs> That's it. Hey, <laughs> excuse you. <laughs> excuse you. But he would say it probably with a very friendly tone. Okay. And then he'd look at me, and then he'd look me up and down, and then he'd probably say something about my T-shirt, okay. the one that says, I have two daughters, you can't scare me. Okay. And okay. then he would look at the T-shirt, and then he would say, I'm willing to try anything, at which point I would just probably nervously laugh it off and go about my, my business. So. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I do have that shirt. Oh, and by the way, all the places that you read that that you read about, I'm not sure if you've gotten to Cyclone and Ayes or um I know Dish Society is uh is in there as well. Those are actual restaurants. Neat. So every every place is in every place is in so when I say it's set in Houston, yeah, it is absolutely set in Houston and the spots and the the menu items and you know you um I think you said you're up to chapter 12 so yeah. I don't know if you've gotten in, to Ninfas yet no not um, yet um okay so that that's a place uh that's an actual place and so it's 
quite literally all over all over the Houston area. Uh, Cinco Ranch is a part of town, um, and uh, so is um, I think I'm I think I name dropped River Oaks. I know Cyclone and Ayas is in the River Oaks area. Um, so yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's. I had a lot of fun writing it. I'm Good. glad that you're having fun reading it, and I apologize in advance for ruining your Christmas. <laughs> no, no, no. I wouldn't say that. Not at all. Not at all. Okay, Freddie, this has been a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.